The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 91 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I got my regular team of Janelle Wheeler. Hey, everybody. Matthew Aguilar. What up? One of our regular returning guests, Mr. Connor Casey, is with us. What's going on? And for our special segment today, we've pulled one of our elite gamers. Mr. Tanner Deadman is back with us. Hello. We are stacked. Yeah, we are stacked, but uh, not for long. We had uh, the gaming guys. We can only borrow them for so long because there's so much happening on the gaming front right now. <laughs> but uh, in addition to talking about the Mandalorian Season 2 finale, which we will be doing later in our full spoiler segment, we first had to bring Tanner on to just address something in the world of gaming that happened over the past week, which is the massive kind of release and or failure of Cyberpunk. So, Tanner, we brought you on today just to kind of get a quick rundown of like WTF is happening here with the <laughs> Cyberpunk game. It came out. It was one of our most anticipated. Just let us know what is the big controversy and what is the kind of unprecedented thing that is now happening on the cyberpunk front so i guess to kind of you know a lot of happened even before the game came out there was a lot of controversy to kind of keep it short um the reviews came out uh shortly before the game launched but people found they were only on the pc um, that was the only version of the game got to be reviewed the console versions there were no reviews no one got early codes for that stuff came out uh then the game came out and it turns out people didn't get console codes mostly because the console version is pretty busted and people that played on the base ps4 and the base xbox one were not having a very good time at all you kind of got left behind if you didn't have the next gen version um, so of course everyone started, you know, sharing all their bugs on, you know, Twitter, sharing the videos of cars just exploding and people clipping into each other and all, you know, all the thing you expect from an open world game like that. Uh, and then people, and then it wasn't funny anymore. People started asking for refunds. And uh, CD Projekt Red put out a statement and said that you can. They wanted you to wait, of course, for them to fix up the game. But if you wanted it, you could ask for a refund. Uh, but apparently, Sony was not really on board with that in the beginning because uh, I guess they didn't get the memo that people were going to start asking for refunds because uh, people on Xbox didn't have as hard of a time, apparently. But uh, PlayStation, it was hard to get a refund. Uh, and people weren't really sure what was going to happen. And then yesterday, uh, on Thursday, um, they, PlayStation just totally removed the game from the <gasps> PlayStation Store. And you can't even buy the digital version anymore. Um, and they're offering full refunds for everybody if you've purchased the digital, which is pretty unprecedented. Uh, wow. I can't think of any other game ever. That's is, that's my, that was my question for bringing you on. Is this the like the biggest blockbuster game fail that you can can that you can remember? Like I, I don't I don't even know if I would really call it a fail. I would say the launch of the game 
is a failure. I really liked Cyberpunk, what I played of it. Uh, I played on the PC version, like I said. Um, and I put in 90 hours in the game. So obviously I liked it enough to you know put in 90 hours right i, 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 would I put up my review before the game before I somebody it. did pay you for that oh yeah 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 oh yeah the the, the check hasn't cleared yet uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh yeah this is i wouldn't say the game's a total failure because i like i said i really like the game I, I like what i played it was not what it was marketed to be it's not really an rpg it's more of an action shooter type game so that part you kind of have a letdown there. I'd say the launch was more of a failure because it obviously was not ready to come out on the PS4 or the Xbox One. I, I feel like in this day and age, this is I don't I wonder if it's just because it was so heavily anticipated that this is any different from seriously, it feels like every major game launch that is not Spider-Man mm-hmm. in the past <laughs> three, four years. I mean, like every wow. destiny has this. Like every like Elder Scrolls, like there's so many games now that have it. Anthem. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, that. Animal Crossing lived up to the hype. But like, but <laughs> no, just from a most of these, and even Witcher Three was like this, by the way. Witcher Three was not as was not busted on previous generations. But if you compare what it is now to what it was when it launched, there were a lot of things worked out. I think it was just the miscommunication between them and saying like we we know that PC. And like all the master race people will be like, we know that PC is the big version, that this is that's gonna be the ultimate way to play this game. But they communicated over the past few years that like, no, it's gonna be the same on current gen at the time. And so for it to be such a huge difference between them, I think is where like most people are outraged, but like this is pretty normal. So I don't know if you can call it a a fail. It's a it's a terrible launch. I almost said something else. It's a terrible launch. Um, <laughs> but like I don't know if it's We're an fail. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's normal up until you consider the fact that it got removed from the PlayStation Store. Because, like I said, I oh, can't think of another game. Yeah. Well, but, but yeah, that, that's what that's what sets it apart to me. Because yesterday when this happened, there were three games that were trending on Twitter with this. It was Fallout 76, Anthem, and No Man's Sky. And if you look back at those games, all those games had really rough starts. But none of them got pulled from the store. You no, know, they still but got they were all asked for, like, all of them had issues with Sony being requested for refunds. What about Sony never did it have, have been like, hey, let's remove it from the store. But they were always like those same ones were like refunds, refunds. Right. Up, what about some of the weirder things I've heard? Like I've heard glitches that involved nudity were kind of popping up in the game. <laughs> uh, one of our old co-workers even did like a whole kind of expose about epileptic triggers in the game. Like doesn't sound like Cyberpunk's been off to a good start, like you said, but do you guys think this is going to be a viable IP go- kind of going forward in a larger sense? Um, I, th- I I hope so. Um, I can already see some of the improvements that they've made because when I first got the PC version of the game, before I ever got any of the updates and I was playing it, uh, it was it was pretty rough even on the PC. Whenever you pick up a gun, you know, you loot something. I picked up more guns floating in midair than I did off of people's bodies. And they fixed <laughs> that part. And I still had all kinds of problems. You know, I'd be doing a quest and a car would just explode right next to me that I'd just gotten out of. And everyone just acted like it was normal. You know, I just kept going. So they've already made a lot of improvements with that. And some of those problems have already been fixed. So I think they can keep on making. Um, yeah, I think they can. And they said that they're going to support it like, like I did with The Witcher, with free and paid DLC. Um, I hope that it's a viable IP after this, because it is a fun concept, is is if you can just get through it without your game crashing. Tanner, oh. real quick question for you. Um, kind of big picture thing. CD Projekt Red is known as kind of a, a darling amongst you know 
gaming critics and gamers for what they did with Witcher 3 and previous installments. Um, does this kind of irre irrevocably damage their reputation? Um, I... I think that it probably, I think it probably will for a lot of people. Um, I, I believe, obviously, I, we've seen all the reports about crunch going on, you know, behind the scenes and people having to work long hours. Um, I'm not going to pretend to know exactly what goes on on all that because we're not going to know unless, you know, other than what people have told us. So I think the people that still really like CD Projekt Red are still going to hold that same, um, you know, hold them to that same standard. I think people probably be a bit, bit more skeptical of them now. A lot of it falls on management, I'm sure, and not just the developers. I do feel I feel bad for the developers. I know it's funny to joke about the game and all the bugs and things like that, but I, I feel bad that whatever crunch was happening is it's not going to go away now because the game got pulled from the store. So yeah. I don't think it's going to, I think it's going to make people skeptical because, you know, it was a long time between the Witcher three coming out and cyberpunk coming out. That's a long wait. And yeah. I think that's I a perfect word. Skeptical. Yeah. 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 All right. I, I do think it'd be interesting to see. I don't, I don't know. I, I've thought about this before to see what the reviews look like, what your reception to cyberpunk looked like compared to what you thought about the Witcher three, because I was always kind of indifferent to cyberpunk. I wasn't really looking forward to it, but I thought it looked fun, but I also did not really care too much for the Witcher three. So I kind of wonder if that long wait, uh, I know, I know Matt, you're shaking your head. I wonder if that long wait for cyberpunk maybe kind of made people more hopeful or blinded them to some of, some of the problems with the game. Um, I don't know. You know, that's just what I can say from my opinion of it from not caring for the Witcher three. All right. Well, that does it for our cyberpunk breakdown. We leave it to you guys to kind of uh, figure out what you want to do there. And uh, with all this, if you got next gen, it sounds like you're a okay, but if you're still on the current gen, eh, you maybe want to wait. So Tanner, thanks a lot for stopping by. We're going to let you go because you, like I said, you gaming guys are, are never, ever done with your job, but uh Thank you for covering all that and, and going through that experience for us. And uh, absolutely, we hope you don't start looking at the world like a place where cars yeah. will just start exploding randomly around you. Hope all my, right, hope my ninety hours helps someone make a good decision. About the <laughs> Thanks, Tanner. All right, thank you, guys. All right, so moving right along, we're going to be talking comics next. Before we get into a little wrestling breakdown and that big Mando season finale spoilers discussion at the end, for all of you people who have not been able to watch it yet, we want to kind of save that to the end. So moving right along into comics this week, we had a DC pick and we had a Marvel pick. And what's that? I keep yeah, thinking equal. Yeah, Matt, keep it equal. <laughs> Try to keep this show balanced for you, the fans. So let's talk about, uh, let's start with DC because we'll just go alphabetical order. And in today's DC book, we got uh, the latest chapter of Batman and his kind of formative story with new, kind of hard to call him villain anymore, but new uh, character, rather, Ghostmaker. And if you haven't been following Batman in the post-Joker War storyline, Bruce Wayne has a friend that he used to train with, and basically that friend became a different kind of vigilante, and they had this kind of deal that he would, they wouldn't cross paths, you know, Ghostmaker would stay out of Gotham, Batman wouldn't mess with Ghostmaker, and of course that changed after Joker War when Ghostmaker came to Gotham. So Batman 105 is kind of the climactic chapter of that story. And um, we're going to talk full spoilers because we're just going to get right to the heart of this discussion. So spoilers, spoilers for this Batman spoilers. issue. Basically, the story is resolved in the sense that 
Ghostmaker puts Batman through this kind of Punisher Daredevil style test to see if he can really hold up his values as a crime fighter and not killing and doing all this stuff. Batman does, of course, and it ends with the kind of strange surprise twist of Batman deciding he's getting too old for this ish like Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon. <laughs> and, you know, he's going to share the responsibility of protecting Gotham with Ghostmaker, his old friend. So now Gotham essentially has two Batmans, like, uh, you know, Batman and then Batman's kind of ninja-esque official sanctioned partner in this. Uh, and I think that's the most interesting thing that could have come out of this story in a lot of ways, which is the future of Batman and how to share in Gotham work. And is this a relationship that can flourish into a real partnership or will get tripped up because Ghostmaker is very different than Bruce in, in his approach. So uh, what did you guys think, Matt? How did you think, how do you think they, that Tinian stuck the landing on this one? I loved the, the beginning portion and then I loved the end. And it was just the switch between them that was very quick, very abrupt, <laughs> very kind of that stuck out. Um, it was just like a matter of a page and literally an exchange, and it was like, okay, we're good. I'm gonna go. <laughs> and that was just kind of weird to me of like, really? Like we had a sword fight, we're like, being, and he's like, nah. He's like, yeah, I'll just go. I'm like, what, what? how? Like, Did what? he cut out like his, he was cutting him and sewing him back yeah. up? And stuff. Like, <laughs> what, what is happening? Well, I was, I, it was such a quick turnaround that it was just very jarring oh, forgiven you took my appendix it's fine <laughs> yeah appendix. right like oh you, you almost killed somebody right here <laughs> on the table anyway there was a lot to kind of process in that moment but i dug how where we went to i like what this sets up for the future and those last couple of pages are actually really cool like it's cool to see their dynamic like i'm not wearing a bat symbol i like that whole thing and like oh well good you're buying lunch like because i don't have a butler anymore <laughs> i don't have money like i kind of <laughs> like that yeah. That's cool. Um, and with some of the other stuff in the big bat books that's going on with like him and the, you know, he's in like an apartment now. It's a really nice apartment, but like he's in an apartment now. He's not in Wayne Manor. Like all these interesting changes are cool. And I'm excited to see what those are. And I even dug the Harley thing of like her explaining the clown hunter and stuff. It was just the switch that was weird to me. Janelle, what were you um, feeling about this? Goodness. We just kind of tossed you into this. Every time you guys put a DC up against a Marvel, <clears throat> like on the same day, I, I it it's I always start with the DC because I don't think I'm as into it. I know I'm sorry. I think I'm finally realizing that I'm more of a Marvel girl. But I um I actually read the first um the first one and I was really interested. And then I read the last. And after reading the last, I said, I need to read the in-between because it, <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening. So obviously, like, you need to read the entire, you know, the entire story to understand what's going on. I very much enjoyed it. I dug it. I agree with Matt on this. I think it was very weird how it, like, just flipped really quickly. Um, but for some reason, I, I don't mind because I really like Ghostmaker. I, I kind of identify. I like that he is a hero slash villain slash whatever he is. Um that wants to correct like the corrupt and the criminal side of things for the art of it and not just for some weird personal vendetta. Um, so I, I actually really, I like Ghostmaker. I kind of was leaning 
on his side the whole time, the whole time I read the comic. And so I'm glad that they're teaming up and I'm really interested to see where they go with this. Like the bat family stuff that the, the, like him interacting with the bat family is going to be great. Yeah. I feel like. Also, like, cause he wants to train them, right? He wanted him to get in there and train and help. Yeah. And mix with them. And like that, yeah. that would be so interesting. Also, I will totally say, I'll call it now. Yeah. In three years, maybe four years, whatever. We're going to see Ghostmaker kind of take the trajectory that the Talons and the Court of Owls have. Like in a couple years, someone's going to like, that's going to be the character that people are pulling from. Oh, that's cool. so much potential there that someone's yeah. going to run with it. So, yeah. Yeah. Connor, did you have any uh, final thoughts on this Batman story? I haven't read it yet. So get all back right, to you. That's right. That's all good. Just wanted to make sure we got to you. All right. Moving right along from DC, setting up a kind of, and we have like many Batmans coming our way, by the way, like Ghostmaker right. is a secondary Batman. Uh, Batman Catwoman will introduce Helena Wayne, we found out in a Batman. Yeah. yeah, their daughter. And uh, DC Future State is right around the corner, which yeah. is yet another Batman in the form of Lucius Fox's son. So a lot of testing out on Batman <laughs> on the diversity front right now. Ninjas, women, we'll <laughs> We're doing it all. Um, yeah. So moving right on from Batman to over to Marvel, we got a Marvel relaunch of Black Cat, which kind of was both a relaunch of Black Cat and a coincide with the current King and Black crossover. Um, this is another kind of interesting relaunch of a kind of female character alongside the recent Black Widow relaunch of a female character who's kind of steeped in that kind of gray area of like espionage or criminality and things like that. Um, but kind of putting new focus on these kind of female hero characters. So um, I will just say that Black Cat was kind of, uh, I would have really liked to see this story kind of start on its own before King and Black in some ways, but it did an admirable job of of mixing with the crossover and still kind of conveying what this new series is all about. But those first pages of it where it was just straight up like crime heist thriller were really, really exciting. And I, I really kind of want to, I hope it kind of angles more towards that as a spider scene. buggy. Yeah, <laughs> the spider buggy came back, and but it was just like it was a more interesting take on Felicia Hardy than I've seen in years as her as just this master thief and and kind of how she's fitting into the changing ways of the Marvel universe right now. But like I said, still admirable for mixing Black Cat of all people into a major Marvel crossover <laughs> event, and in like a meaningful way. Right. Yeah. Like she has like a job to do. It's not just like her going on. And um, before I get to my spiel, Janelle, what'd you think? Cause you said, oh, dear. I know you would tease that like, oh, I love between the two. Okay. I'm, I, first of all, like I'm getting to the point where I am so clearly like, I know my favorite hero. And so whenever there's even a mention of Doctor Strange, I lose my mind. I like scream. I'm like, oh my God, he's in this one. Like I just, and that's such a cool feeling. Um, I think she's cool because she has white hair. <laughs> I love, I just think she looks really cool. Um, I actually don't know her background at all. I don't know anything about her. And I think they did a brilliant job of kind of painting this picture of who she is, what she stands for, and that she's like, you don't know if she's good guy, bad guy, villain. Like does, and they even ask her in that comic, they're like, what are you now? Are you like, what, what are you doing? Are you a good guy? Are you a bad guy? So I love that. I think they did a great job of explaining that. Um, and kind of making sure you knew what was going on. Um, if you maybe are just picking this up out of nowhere. Um, but honestly, like the moments where, um, you know, Dr. Strange spoilers, Dr. Strange is like called like 
you know, our big dogs, like our yeah. big guns are like fighting for us in the sky and we need to like defend down here. Um, and like when Cap finally like tells her like, hey, just leave us like this is all on you. You're like, wait a minute, who is she? <laughs> like, who is this chick? I don't, I need to know more. So now I'm actually like Googling, like, okay, wait, what is her story? Why is she so important? Like, if, if Cap is calling upon her, like, we need to figure out. So I am so intrigued. And I, again, I started off Kofi, like, I didn't really know what was happening. I was very confused. Like, she's underground, like, what she's chasing after. So I, I under kind of understood what was going on, but because I didn't know that she steals things and yeah. that's her spiel, I was so confused. But they got right into her story quickly and they painted that picture and I caught on really fast. And I think that's really important if anyone's trying to read a comic that they might not know the background of. I was really excited about this one. I'm so happy about that, by the way. I love, I love, I love when a book like is like makes you go. I mean, the same thing we talked about Star Wars, right? I love that like it makes you like want to go seek out other stuff. Cause that's the, oh, yeah. every issue is someone's first issue, which is awesome. But, and I'm so uh, glad you had me read the venom so uh, that I, I had an idea of like um, why, why this was so important. Well, and especially because this is actually, so it is a number one, but it's actually, it's a weird pseudo relaunch because the same creative team was working on the character before they took a hiatus. So it's the same, it, it starts from there. So like, if you read her previous series, it all ties together and explains Ooh. what she's been doing. But she was like a crime boss for a long time and she's kind of been awesome in that role. That's so so cool. it, kind of, it kind of sort of picks up from there and, and a little bit assumes that you've read that, but it does get right into the null stuff to kind of, even for people who didn't kind of get you up to speed. Yeah. So if you do want to read something like that, I will. <laughs> right from there. Um, so yeah, and by the end, we, we get a clear mission. This is one of the few tie-ins that actually like, defines what her role is going to be and not just like hey stuff's happening around me it's kind of cool uh to see that and i like the meta stuff where they kind of mentioned like you were a crime lord the other day you were this like what yeah. are you i love that so yeah very very fun issue popcorn i thought it was really cool yeah. and uh slick art so yeah a bonus for me all right that's our comics this week we got big things happening on the batman and the marvel front when uh king and black all in all i gotta say it continues to seem to be Marvel's best crossover of the year. And those, those Venom crossovers are killing it. Yeah, you guys can check that out if you haven't. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we got to do a preview of what's going on in WWE. Plus, we're going to get into everything that just happened in the Mandalorian Season 2 finale. What? All right, so stay tuned. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, Matt, Connor. What is happening in WWE? 
What should we be focused on? And why should we be excited? Well, we're not going to talk about TLC this weekend, Kofi, because it's got really only two matches worth talking about. They're both going to be a lot of fun. Check them out just for those. Those are the two tables, ladders, and chairs matches. Matthew, what we are going to talk about is that Monday Night Raw had its lowest rating ever in terms of viewership and actually in the target demographic lost to AEW, something that we have never seen. It posted a 0.41. AEW beat that with its last two weeks, which begs the question, as people have been speculating, do we see something drastic at TLC in response to this to try and stir up some excitement? Uh, I mean, I feel like, I mean, obviously, yes. With with who is in charge? Okay. <laughs> with who is in charge? Now, sometimes like you would say, like, face. oh, steady stays the ship. Keep doing what you're doing. But this this WWE does not operate that way, and neither does Vince McMahon. So, no. yes, I would say if there was a plan in place to, like, stay the course and do what they were doing, all this stuff over the past few weeks, I would expect some kind of shocking thing to drum up interest. Uh you know, it, it because Raw is just it's supposed to be the flagship show. We kind of all know that SmackDown is really the flagship show right now because it's on Fox and Raw has just not been great. So I would expect something. I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's a who can they sign? You know what I mean? Like it would have to be something like someone gets bashed over the head with an anvil or something like I don't know what else to do. Like what else do you do? I'm actually going to go the other way on this one. I'm going to say there's going to be no drastic change. I think Vince absolutely loves Drew McIntyre as the top guy in the spot he's in. I don't think the answer is suddenly putting the title on AJ. I don't think it's Miz cashing in because he's been made to look like such a joke these yeah. past few months. Like he's just, he's, he, much like the show, is inconsequential. So I don't think suddenly putting the title on him is going to bring all these viewers back into, into the fold. The only drastic thing that can honestly be done is Vince stepping away from his position as head of creative, which he's not going to do. <laughs> yeah, that's so <laughs> the best we can hope for is to just keep on digging through the dirt, looking for these little gold nuggets of good storytelling, like with Roman, everything he's doing on SmackDown, Bailey and Sasha, uh, Randy from Rumble to SummerSlam. Like it, right now, the show, can, the program can only seem to handle one good storyline. Everything else is over just three hours. hours. <laughs> exactly. That, that, no, that's across five hours. That's uh, including both shows. Okay, yeah, but SmackDown has, is fine. Is it's way fine. more. I, I don't need. Like, I don't need Baron Corbin losing because five people interfere. Sorry, <laughs> Roman's great. Roman's great. We know this. Sasha's great. Roman, even great. some of the know Otis this. stuff is fun. Well, of course, Otis is your guy. But yeah, no, I don't see anything changing. Uh, this is the end of the year. We're, at, we're almost at the holidays. They have a thousand excuses they can come up with for why yeah. viewership is down right now. And the Rumble is next month. They they probably know who's going to win, so I don't see them making any massive shakeups this weekend. The best you can hope for is a couple of decent matches involving Roman, Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens, Drew McIntyre, and AJ Styles. Mm. But let's talk about something else, Matthew. <laughs> How do you feel about Kenny Omega? <laughs> Wow, the government name came out. I know, like, man, I'm awesome <laughs> you, man. Um, how do I feel about Kenny Omega right now? Yes. Uh, I, I mean, I look, I'm hyped. 
it's it's uh he's done some ama- uh, some really fun stuff and this crossover is what well, something i did not expect to be no. talking about in 2020 um so i mean uh you know aside from an awkward promo here and there uh i think it's been i think it's been fired for sure to give some context, people that don't know, in the last few weeks alone, AEW star Kenny Omega has won the AEW World Championship, shown up in a different company in Impact Wrestling three shows in a row, has already been booked for the main event of their next pay-per-view, uh, had a killer match down in Mexico with a guy named Laredo Kid at Triple Mania, and is already killing it on Dynamite as their world champion anyway. People are asking, why should we care? Simple. This is giving AEW, Impact Wrestling, all these different shows buzz. It's just like we talked about with Raw. It's inconsequential. There's no reason to want to tune into these shows because they'll say, well, anything can happen on Raw. It really can't. You yeah. kind of know what's going to happen each week. I can I could map out exactly what is going to happen this week on Raw. I have no idea what's going to happen on Dynamite. Half of Impact Wrestling's roster might storm in through the doors and attack everybody. Yeah. Wow. That's fun. That that's buzz. That's excitement. That's what wrestling often lacks, and this is bringing it all right back in. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited. Also, uh, it, I mean, it's it's worked. It broke Impact's Twitch uh, records, and yeah, it's like, oh, it's, shattered them. It's it's having ratings impact. No pun intended. Uh, and it's having impact on people who I feel like like Janelle, like we were talking about with Black Hat, right? People who are coming into AEW, yes, know Kenny Omega from AEW, but you have a whole other legion of fans who are just like in because it's AEW, right? They're new fans and they don't know what Omega did in New Japan. They don't know like Omega's history. So some of this stuff that's like happening, I mean, like Jim's made some points about like it's going over some people's heads, but it's also having an effect of well, what, what happened. I'm going to Google him. I'm going to go find out. I'm going to watch some of those matches. It's having that kind of effect on this audience that is like, yes, made up of long fans, but it's also made up of new fans. So it's good. Cool. good around. Yeah. To tie a big old bow on this thing, guys, think of it like this. Take one of the best wrestlers in the world, have him become Thanos and have the Infinity Gems be world championships in different companies. That's what we're dealing with right now. Wow. Okay. Wait that's it. sick. That's all you have. Hey, man. That's well done. amazing. Well, Who has the time stone? Yeah, yeah. And props to using gems, by the way. The Undertaker had it. He lost it. I miss it. I miss the gems. Anyway, so yeah, that's wrestling. All right. <laughs> thanks, guys. I mean, you had me at Wrestling Infinity Wars. All right. So moving right along from wrestling over to the world of Star Wars, we got to talk about this Mandalorian Season uh, 2 finale. Crazy. So we're going to be talking about Mando Season 2 finale. Obviously, there are going to be massive spoilers. We've put it at the end. If you guys do not want to hear Mandalorian spoilers, please drop off now. Come back when you've seen it, because this will be the ending of the show. As you can see, we even have a spoiler alert graphic for anybody who needs a visual aid along with this audio (laughs) aid. We're fancy. So (laughs) here we go. Last chance. We're going to be talking spoilers for the Mandalorian season two finale. All right. So season two finale, it was called The Rescue. And it lived up to its name. Mando had to storm off Gideon's ship and rescue Baby Yoda, and uh, that's what happened. So 
Yeah, but along the way, I mean, it was much more awesome than I just made it sound. So just, just know that. <laughs> First of all, we got we basically got Star Wars' closest thing to having its own like little Avengers squad as we got Mando, the Night Owls of uh, Bo-Katan, Kreese, and uh, Sasha Banks' character, who was, who um, I'm kind of blank. Whose it's name I'm kind of Sasha Banks. Banks. The, the, yeah. the name doesn't. Yeah, I mean, we all know who we saw. We saw Sasha Banks. <laughs> uh, yeah, Fennec Shand, uh, Ming-Na Wen's Fennec Shand, Boba Fett, and Mando. And they all kind of stormed the ship in, in Cara Dune. And, and man, that was awesome in its own right, right? Yeah, like, awesome. just seeing a squad of Star Wars heavy hitters kind of team up and, and go on a mission was, was plenty awesome for a finale. We saw the Dark Troopers. They turned out to, they pulled that Legends card and said these are just advanced droids. And they went full Terminator vibe with that, which was kind of awesome and scary. I mean, they were legit scary villains instead mm -hmm. of just generic things. Um, yeah, we even got the awesome duel between Moff Gideon and Mando, both verbally and physically, which was a nice touch. Uh, I love when my Star Wars duels has some nice talking to go along with it. And then just when you thought it couldn't even get, you know, badass enough, they set up this obvious season three rivalry with Mando and Bo-Katan and, and the fate of Mandalorian leadership that Mando kind of inadvertently stepped in. But that wasn't all, folks. That was not all. We had to get bigger than that for the finale, and we did. Because they brought Whose back music is that? Whose entrance music is that? Coming down the ramp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they brought back Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill himself with some DH Sam Jackson style technology. <laughs> yeah. Luke shows guy. up and saves the day by killing all the Terminators as only a Jedi could. And like uh, nothing. Coming to rescue, yeah, coming to rescue Baby Yoda. And that's what I want to kind of get into. Um what I've loved about The Mandalorian Season 2, beyond the obvious fan service that this season has just delivered like crazy, uh, is basically the fact that it kind of has taken so many elements of Star Wars that, you know, we think of as gotten silly or, or played out or, or just are not important and made them vastly important. I mean, Bo Boba Fett is a good example. He was just an icon, but it was also the joke that like he never really did anything in the series. <laughs> and so Mandalorian Season 2 fixed that. Um, Ahsoka finally got much big mainstream respect that she deserved in her episode. And even just little things like Star Wars video games, like Battlefront gets turned into this really awesome scene with Bill Burr talking about Operation Cinder and all these references. And now we even got like to see Luke, who is a hero, but again, like Boba Fett, we never really saw awesome Jedi stuff from Luke throughout the series, and and we kind of did that. Jim's dropping shade on Twitch here about how YouTube's doing better deep fakes than Star Wars to do the DH Hamill, and some people <laughs> obviously. How did you guys feel about the Hamill cameo? Like, how did you guys feel? Let's go around. Let's start with you, Janelle, because oh my gosh, you're a mainstream Star Wars fan. Yeah. How did you feel about this? Loved, loved it. I was pumped. I thought they did a fantastic job. Um, it was. It just tied it all with a beautiful bow on top. Um, my fiance immediately looks at me and goes, "What are they going to do now? Like, is this over? Is this the last like episode of Mandalorian?" And I'm like, "You know, that's." It is. I don't know. I have. I have yeah. no idea where they're going to go. Good question. That's a good question. Um, yes, this series kind of makes it ambiguous. I mean, this finale made it ambiguous of whether we will continue the story of Din Jarin, Pedro right. Pascal's Mando. I mean, obviously, there's a major storyline there with him and Bo Katan, but it doesn't necessarily have to be him the focus of the story right. anymore. And 
we got this post credit scene that says that, you know, and I think we're in the process of real time figuring this out, but it seems like we're going to get a Boba Fett show, but it's going to be a spinoff and there's still going to be Mandalorian season three. So, so I, I guess the biggest question is like, will Grogu be a part of that or, or is Grogu off on some other journey that will not tie into the show anymore? Or did Kylo Ren burn Grogu to a crisp? <laughs> Why would you put that out there? Oh, the internet. The internet already put that out there. It is things on the internet. Yeah. Tragedy. But um, just to clarify, Jeez. like the Mandalorian is set in nine years after the Battle of Yavin, which is the the first Death Star being destroyed. Um, so it's set nine years after that. Ben okay. Solo is born five years after that. So Ben Solo is four years old at the time of this. So right. Luke has taken Grogu to train him. But it's still going to be a while before Ben Solo comes of age and, and freaks out as a teenager and burns Luke's temple. Um, it's arguable that Grogu has, quote unquote, graduated by then um, and is in parts unknown uh, or reunites with Mando at some point And they are their own squad, you know. That's what I was thinking. Like, I mean, that's what I would hope for. That's what I want. Uh, I, I do want Grogu to continue on in this show. I think he's like the biggest selling point. Obviously, they've marketed this show to be less even about the Mandalorian and more about Baby Yoda. If that um, doesn't happen, I'm, I'm sorry. I know that writers and and people might want to like move on from certain things. There's no way Disney goes, yeah, sure. Yeah. Let, let let our like one of our key like huge well, hold up, go. hold up, hold that up. Happen. Sorry, um, happen. There's things to consider. The Baby Yoda puppet is expensive, and it's probably one of the biggest production costs there is. So if you could sign <laughs> on that and focus more, <laughs> no. you're going to save money. Um, <laughs> Baby Yoda doesn't have to disappear from the franchise. There's already big rumors that this Bad Batch show that we're seeing is going to somehow involve maybe Baby Yoda's story about them possibly being involved with, the, you know, the elite squad that helped him get off of Coruscant during Revenge of the Sith. So he, there's a possibility we could get animated, a.k.a. much cheaper to produce Baby Yoda in a major Star Wars project coming up. I don't want anime. And there is the whole thing about this show over the course of this season did a very kind of subtle but good job of Baby Yoda was the MacGuffin, but kind of bringing the Mandalorian lore into focus. And we even have a piece mm -hmm. up saying, you know, that Star Wars has basically made Mandalorians the new Jedi. Um, and, to, and to a degree. Yeah. To a degree. I mean, in the terms of putting them in the center of the franchise, deepening the mythology, drawing in all these characters so it, it, so it fleshes out the mythology and kind of dealing with them, their their whole thing, and what happened after the Empire has now become a very big part of this franchise. Where sure. before before the show, people didn't know crap about Mandalorians. And stuff. Yeah. I'll agree. I just yeah, it, so. it's one of those Michael Jordan things. Like no one's ever going to replace a Jedi with a lightsaber. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there's not yeah. But that's the other thing that the show demonstrates really well is this episode. Kind of what one of the things I liked about the finale is that it showed you basically that you know, what it is like for other Star Wars players to, to exist in this world because droid, and it makes things scary. Like I said, it transforms things. Droids are silly. You reach, you kind of watch the prequels and the droids are, and the droids are comedic and you don't ever really feel like, oh man, they're going to get the Jedi because right. it doesn't feel like that's a challenge. You send a few Terminators against people who only have blasters and no force powers. And it's, 
you know, that was a brutal scene where Mando's getting his face yeah. punched in the helmet, like, yeah. into the wall. And so I was like, if they get through those doors, we're in trouble. And also, just really quickly in the chat, uh, Del Toro said, we didn't get a Star Wars movie in the cinema this year, but the finale made a very close sensation of it, which is, I really felt the same way. I felt oh, like yeah. it, it played out like a movie I don't need to bit. watch Rise of Skywalker again. I'd watch this like four times yep. before, before I watched <laughs> that. Yeah, well, yeah, we are not mad about that. Um, so yeah, yeah, you know, taking the Jedi away and kind of, and then bringing them back shows, it, it makes the reverence for a Jedi more than just the gimmicky lightsabers and the moves. You actually felt the power of that. Dude, his last kill with the force, like yeah, force oh, crush. It was that so was, intense. Yeah, was, yeah they it. gave in like, let's just shout out to star Wars. Every Skywalker needs a hallway scene. If Leia doesn't get one, I'm <laughs> really angry. Now that we're just doing these hallway scenes, daredevil style, like a tradition, like, yeah. I love all the comparisons from this to Vader at Rogue One. Like, even the way the some of the shots were similar. It was just fantastic. Oh, yeah. And it, I like, I've always liked Luke being in that area of, you know, he's a good guy, but, you know, having the bad boy streaks as well. And seeing him being back in black and doing the force crush. Yeah, that was awesome. Cool. Um, let's talk about that post-credit scene because that was equally awesome. Boba Fett returns to the scene of uh, Return of the Jedi and uh, goes and, you know, I loved I loved the Star Wars creators and the fun they have because I forget, I'm blanking on his name right now, but uh, Jabba the Hutt's little long tentacle-headed assistant yeah. is now taking over the seat. He's gotten all fat like Jabba. <laughs> and uh, Boba and Bennett and Fennec come in and just, you know, blast him and let him know, like, no, nah, this is Boba Fett's palace now, which is... That was awesome fan service for everybody in who who loves Return of the Jedi, and it's a great launch of a new show. Oh like, yeah, that, that, that's that how you backdoor pilot kill everybody, yeah. set up shop, stop, <laughs> drop, shut them down, open up shop, get your own spinoff. I think that's how the song goes. Yeah, um, yeah. So Richard saying I didn't stick around for the post credit scene, and I also did not. So I'm just what? hanging on. What? what? I had no idea. Wow. I know. Well, we were really good with All the spoilers. Right, yeah. we were so yeah. Marvel trained us for this, guys. Come on. <laughs> oh, gotta stick around. I mean, I gotta look at that concept art at least. Yeah. <laughs> I saw there was more time left. I was like, what is happening here? And I, Dude, I stick I around the after credits for cooking shows. That's the first like, thing I'm gonna do after that. this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you just like those cookie show bloopers. Wow. Oh man. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, all in all, it, it's just hard because the Mandalorian Mandalorian season two is quickly rising to be like my personal best of Star Wars content as a whole kind of thing as a whole set. Um, yeah, because we were worried along the way that it was just being kind of fan service and we were worried about whether they would stick a landing. But man, did they ever in that scene, Pedro Pascal really, I mean, really did his thing this season. That mm -hmm. final scene of him between him and Baby Yoda, it's a puppet. Doesn't it say oh, a I word. I was teary eyed. He yeah. doesn't say a word. And it's just like had me in a puddle. Like, yeah. 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 And just like, yeah, I mean, Pedro Pascal and just that last scene of him, him with between him and a puppet. Again, everybody who's done this acting with Baby Yoda, <laughs> like, you guys deserve some Emmys because you are making us like just get all the feels off of that. And that was. That was pretty crazy. That was awesome. So I have no complaints about uh, the only thing I have a complaint about the Mandalorian season two is I need to know what happens with this experiment and, and the Snoke of it all. Like I gotta, I just need to know about Gideon's experiments and what mm -hmm. he's doing with baby Yoda blood 
and like I said, the, the Snoke of it all, and fix some of this crap from Rise of the Star Skywalker. That that and get better deep fake technology or bring in Sebastian Stan. One of the I okay, let's talk about that because was I the only one like? First of all, funny story. So, like, I get up in the middle of the night to watch these to do the con, you know, help us get some content for the morning and comic book. And right when Luke came off the elevator and was about to pull his hood, my my son woke up screaming for me. And like, I almost left him in nightmare land for a second because I was like, I got to see this. But he started really freaking out, and I was like, oh, okay. And like, he was having nightmares, and so he wouldn't let me leave for the rest of the night. So I had to lay in a bed, staring at the ceiling with his oh kid on God. me. Wondering, so like, who is this? Like, what am I about to see? Like, freaking out. But that's so that's my whole bid for contraception, right there. Um, you <laughs> think long and hard before you make these decisions in life. But, uh, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I had to really draw out that moment as long as possible. It was hours before I could come back and figure out that this was Luke and really take in the whole epicness of it all. But, uh, yeah. Great payoff. I am not mad at the Mandalorian season two in a very dry year of content. This has been a kind of shining spot for me. Yeah. Also made me look forward to every single one of those spinoff rumors. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And, and all the announcements, right? Rangers. I'm I like I'm stoked for Rangers. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm stoked for Rangers. I'm stoked for Boba Fett. I'm stoked for season three. I'm stoked to see wherever Bill Burr pops up next in Star yep. Wars. Like, yeah, I'm stoked for all of it. So Woo, it's good to end on a on a like a, a good uh, high this year with Star Wars. So good things. And like, yeah, all those people who made season two, first of all, Emmys. Second of all, just just let them do Star Wars, please. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. That will get the biggest pop if like D23, what, or Star Wars Celebration next time. And it's like, they're helming the new trilogy. And you're like, oh, no, no, you, will, you will have an eruption. Yeah, Mark Out won't cover it. The term will not cover how we will react. So congratulations to everybody who worked on The Mandalorian Season 2. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This was awesome. Great. Star Wars is awesome again. So that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. And uh, Les, Matt, you had anything in our rundown you wanted to mention real quick? Oh, yeah. So uh, starting a new quick little thing here uh, on the show. of Instead of me just running down like 89 books and half of them you'll never read, um, <laughs> just because there's so much out there, uh, I'm going to kind of slice it down to like, two or three picks uh, for the week. So uh, this week, just to make it really quick, uh, We Live, I always talk about certain books, uh, Far Sectors, one, uh, Once in Future, which we'll get to in a minute here, of books that you need to check out that might not have as much buzz, but you definitely need to check them out. We Live uh, from Aftershock is one of those books. It's fantastic. It's only on issue three, so you don't have to jump on very far. It's in stores this week. Also, Once in Future, number 14. Seriously, this book has every, every, as we talk about Star Wars lore, there's so much. If you're a nerd for like, King Arthur and all of the things that come with those legends and myths. This book just like, we had the Green Knight in this issue and they do the whole thing based on that fable and it's just really awesome. So definitely check that out this week. And then of course, uh, because we had the chance to talk to uh, Carla Pacheco all about Spider-Woman on a previous episode uh, of the podcast, uh, volume one of Spider-Woman is out in store. So definitely if you wanna check that out, you can do it all in one handy place. So that's comics. All right, thank you, Matt. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we put up new episodes every Friday on comicbook.com or your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart home devices to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast and get them playing for you. We will hope you follow us at the Comic Book Nation, at Comic Book Nation Twitter account. If you just want to shout us out, we're always at the hashtag Comic Book Nation. And you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. 
You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler on Twitch and all the socials. And you can find me at Connor Casey underscore CB. If you love the show, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review so that when COVID is over and we can get back in our office, we can send you a free T-shirt. So let's get those in now because they're making that vaccine. We're coming to the end. So uh, let's get all those five-star reviews we can in so we can make Jim work for those shirts. Otherwise, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you, guys. Hope you're enjoying everything The Mandalorian is putting on your plate. And if we hope you have happy holidays if we don't see some of you again, but we'll be here for at least uh, another episode, I think, before uh, Christmas. Oh, yay. So see you guys next time. Peace. Bye, guys. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.